with a couple thousand young people who are invading Bourbon Street as we're sitting here right now, taking the gospel into the gates of hell. And uh, drove up yesterday and was just thrilled all the way here with an expectancy of what God is going to do in this place. You know, I think so many times we get through the re- going through the routine of coming to church that we really forget that there's more than just us here. Come on, how many of you believe that there's more to God than just a church service? Do you believe there's more? See, the truth is, not everybody in this room will get the same thing from heaven this morning. The Bible says the sower went out to sow the word, and the word fell on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm good ground. Did you know you can be good ground, but you won't have the same experience in God? The seed fell on good ground, and it brought forth, watch, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. You know, there's some people in here who are satisfied with the 30-fold. You're good ground. You got a good heart. You love God. And you're satisfied with a 30-fold experience. But then there's some of us in here who know there's got to be more than God than just being saved. And so we want to press a little deeper with 60-fold people. But then there's some Jesus fanatics in the room. I'm looking for some Jesus fanatics in the room. There's some Jesus fanatics in the room say, no, I know there's 30 and I know there's 60, but there's another realm in God that I can go to, another dimension in God where it's a hundredfold. See, we've always preached that as a money scripture. That's not a money scripture. That's a dimension. There's multiple dimensions of God. I'm going to ruin your theology today. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Boy, if I tell you what, if I just could die, I can go to heaven, and God has prepared me a place. I've got a mansion. There's no mansion there. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, in my Father's house are many mansions. The actual Greek word there is many dwelling places. There's many dimensions in God. So you can come to church today and you can experience one dimension and you can just sit right there in that living room and enjoy that furniture. But there's others of us in this room today say there's got to be so many rooms or dimensions to the presence of God. I'm hungry for more. Come on, do I have anybody in here who wants a hundredfold experience in God? You want all that God has for you? Say there's got to be more. See, I pastored for 28 years. I kind of got tired of it because I realized it got to be more. So I sold everything I had, moved to the mountains of Tennessee. Right now I'm dangerous because I've been walking around in the mountains hugging trees, (laughs) praying in the Holy Ghost. I went all the way back to the beginning because I know there's got to be well, I'm getting ready to preach. Just give me a second. I just really feel something stirring because I feel like God is getting ready to open up another room to the church of life. I believe there's another dimension that's about to hit this church. See, 30, 60, 100 fold. First the blade, 30 fold. 
than the corn in the blade, 60-fold. But then there is a hundredfold, right? There's an outer court, inner court. There's a holy of holies. Outer court, more people can fit in the outer court. And that's where the most of Christianity is. They want to be satisfied in the outer court. Do you know why? You know how I know that that's where most of Christianity is? Because they're still battling their flesh. They have to get saved over and over again every week. Because every week they keep slipping and going back into sin. So they have to keep coming to the brazen altar, having to offer a sacrifice, not realizing that Jesus died for their sin once and for all. That there's something more that they could do. So what they do is they just enjoy the outer court because they don't want to do what they don't want to have to do what it takes to go into another dimension in God. They know that if they go beyond that veil, it requires another standard. Not everybody can get out of the outer court into the inner court. See, but then there's those of us who go into that inner court, watch now, and that we have the, the candlesticks and we have the table of bread. When they handed me the bread, I started thinking about this, so it's your fault I'm off track this morning. They, they, they have that table of showbread there, and then you have the altar of incense, Right? This is where we worship God and we experience revelation. So most of the church stays in a saved experience. You know, all they want to do is just come to church and get saved. They want to secure their way to heaven. But then there's another group of people realize there's some things in the Spirit of God like the baptism in the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all of these different things in the dimension of God that I have yet to walk into. And so we come over into that. And then we, we think that we have arrived. If we're saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking tongues, and are part of a church, got our name on a membership roll, we think we have arrived when in reality we've only just begun. But then there's this other dimension. Watch now. I'm going to help you here. There's this other dimension. This is where, see, God's been talking to me in the mountains. There's this other dimension. It's called the Holy of Holies. The problem with the Holy of Holies is by the time you put the Ark of the Covenant, if you study the dimensions of the Holy of Holies, there's only room for one man. That's the reason only the high priest could come into the Holy of Holies. I feel the Lord talking in here already. Only the high priest could come into the Holy of Holies. Well, the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest who has passed into the heavens. So if Jesus is the high priest, that's a problem for you and I because that means you and I can't get into the hundredfold dimension because there's not enough room for us unless we all get in him. Watch this. You have outer court body, inner court, your soul, holy of holies, your spirit man. There's dimensions to the anointing of the Spirit of God. And the way to unlock those dimensions is revelation. What you don't know is killing you. And let me tell you where I am. I've been serving God for 30 years. Had the privilege to preach all over the world in some of the greatest venues, do stuff that uh, most preachers dream of doing. But you know what? I got to the end of it, and I realized there's nothing that satisfies me like Jesus. Jesus. 
Church don't satisfy me. Religion don't satisfy me. Assets don't satisfy me. Big houses don't satisfy me. Being on TBN, sitting in a gold chair beside Paul and Jan didn't satisfy me. Being on Daystar didn't satisfy me. Preaching all over the world didn't satisfy me. Filled up crusades and stadiums didn't satisfy me. You know what I did? After 30 years of trying it all, after 30 years of chasing what everybody said would satisfy me in religion, I get all the way to the end of the thing and realize there's only one thing that'll satisfy me and that is the presence of Almighty God. And I came to church alive in Arkansas today because I'm on a journey with you. I'm saying to God, God, I don't want 30. God, I don't want 60. God, I want everything that the presence of God has for me. Is there anybody in Arkansas who wants everything that God has for you? You want that? How about let's lift up our hands all over this room right now just for a moment. Father, we've come into this place because we are hungry for you. God, I didn't come here just to preach a great message. I came here because I'm on a divine assignment with you to be with these people for one purpose, that is to experience more of God. Lord, we know there's got to be more than church. If this is all there is, Lord, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, but we believe that there is a glory that we can step into where signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural power of God would be released. And Father, you're going to pour out your spirit somewhere in America. It might as well be right here at the Church Alive in Conway, Arkansas, on this group of people. So Lord, with our hands lifted, with our hearts lifted, we say, here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. We're just going to be authentic today. We're not playing any church games. We're just going to be authentic today. We need you to speak to us. Father, I invite you to come into this room right now through the power of your word. Throw your weight around. Throw your weight around. Show these people that you're God and there's none besides you. They don't need to hear me preach. They need to hear you talk, Lord. In Jesus' name today, God. We lean into you. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, somebody give the Lord a praise in this room. Sorry. Just I apologize for chasing a squirrel for a moment. But it's my squirrel. And it's where God has got me. I'm just hungry. So today, I'm going to preach like a hunger man. Is that all right? I want you to go to the last book of your Bible, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the first 10 verses of Revelation chapter 12. Now, pastor told me that all the smart people in Conway, Arkansas, attend the 9.30 a.m. service here at the Church Alive. So he told me, I have a room full of very highly intelligent people in this room that like the deep things of Scripture. They don't like to just swim around in shallow waters. They're not into the kiddie pool. 
I was told by pastor that the people who come to Church Alive like the deep things of the Word of God, want to jump into deep places in God. Do I have some deep people in here this morning? So since that's the case, I'm going to unlock or unpack a revelation that God has been speaking to me. And tonight, I'll probably come back to Revelation chapter 12. I've been stuck in this passage in my personal journey. And today, I want you to give me permission to lay out some things about the spirit realm that possibly you've never seen before, not because it's not there, but because you haven't looked at it. And by the time we get to the end of this message, I promise you that this will be a revelatory word for you. Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to preach a message entitled, Shut Up. Shut Up. Now, when I, was, uh, when I was coming up, my grandmother used to tell me, baby, don't tell anybody to shut up. And so I followed that. I don't tell people to shut up. But I'm going to give you permission tonight, today to tell the devil to shut up. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of listening to him whisper things in my ear that didn't come from God. So today, I'm just going to throw my hand up to the devil and say, devil, you just got to shut up. All right? Let's... Jump into the Word of God. Revelation 12, 1 through 10. Now a great sign appeared in the heaven. A woman was clothed with the sun. The moon was under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give earth. Another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great fiery red dragon, heaven, seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew out a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God into his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where there was a place prepared by God that they should feed her for 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Say that out loud with me, please. And war broke out in heaven. Come on, everybody say it. And war broke out. In, where did the war break out? Where did the war break out? In heaven. Keep that in your mind. We're going to deal with that thought for a moment. Michael and his angels fought with dragon. The dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. I love that. That's my favorite part of this passage. Satan is such a loser. They did not prevail, nor was a place found for them where? In heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And then... I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. The accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast cast down. Now, there's a lot that I could teach you about the book of Revelation. I've got some precious church family here that was members of my church, and y'all stole them away from me, and Bill and Sue have moved up here to Arkansas, and they'll tell you there was a time in my church where I taught the book of Revelation for a year, about a 14-month period, and never covered the same verse twice. I love the book of Revelation. There's a lot I could talk to you about the book of Revelation, but I don't have time to do that this morning. However, with that being said, I do need to take a few moments to develop a few thoughts out of Revelation chapter 12 to give us a context for what I'm going to share with you today. Is that okay? 
So we know, I believe, personally, that the next great event of human history is going to be the catching away of the church. I am one of these people. I will tell you forthrightly that I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, if you want to go through the tribulation, you go ahead and go through it. God bless you. We'll pray for you. But I plan on being around the marriage supper of the Lamb celebrating with Jesus while wrath is being unleashed on this earth. I am one of those people that believes I am not ordained unto wrath as a child of God. I'm also not a preterist, nor am I a preterist futurist who believes that the book of Revelation is has already taken place, whether in A.D. 70 or back in the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. So as you can tell, I've already studied this thoroughly, and I'll be glad to talk with you after, afterwards why I am a pre-tribulationist. I've studied every angle. It's the only angle that makes sense. For example, there are people that are saying that the tribulation is already taking place, and there are some people saying we're in the middle of tribulation right now. That cannot be so. The Bible says the first three and a half years of the tribulation is called the wrath of the Lamb. The last three and a half years of tribulation is called the wrath of God. The first three and a half years is called lesser tribulation. The last three and a half years is called great tribulation. In the first three and a half years, think about it, ladies and gentlemen, according to your Bible, literally, Two and a half to three billion people on the planet die. One third of the population through war, famine, pestilence, and disease. The tribulation has not happened, nor are we in the middle of the tribulation period right now. And here's the reason I know that we're not. Because you can take all of the dead from all of the wars in all of world history combined. You can multiply it times a hundred. And you still would not come to the number that I just gave you. So we're talking about a time that is to come in the future. It will be a time of great wrath. So here's the sequence that I see in the scripture. There is coming a time when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ will be raised up and then you and I which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We call this the harpazo, the catching away, the rapture of the church. Immediately after the rapture of the church, the Bible says in Thessalonians, he that letteth will let till he be taken out of the way. It's speaking of the church restraining evil. And then it says, and then that man of sin shall come. The man of sin is the Antichrist. Immediately after the catching away of the church, the Antichrist will come to the scene. That will begin the seven years of tribulation upon the earth. Uh, uh, and when the Antichrist comes on the scene, and I'm skipping a lot of information, you're just going to have to rock with me for a moment. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, at some point there will be the negotiations of the rebuilding of a third temple. By the way, those negotiations are already taking place. I've been to Israel numerous times. Every time we go, we go to the Temple Institute. This last time that I was in Israel, Pastor, they're actually now saying we have all the money, we have all the resources, we have everything we need to rebuild the temple, and I I have a letter in my iPad from the Prime Minister of Israel to Donald Trump asking Donald Trump, not as the president, but as a builder to come help rebuild the third temple. I've got a letter in my iPad I can show you. I also have a, a copy of a letter in my iPad from uh, uh, from a uh, uh, Putin, the Russian ruler, who has also offered to contribute to the rebuilding of the third temple. So what I'm telling you is all the stage is being set for everything that I'm preaching to you right now. I believe that Jesus is close to coming, closer than any of us could ever think or imagine. I believe this is the reason we need to get about the Father's business. We need to get about preaching the gospel. We need to get back on fire for God. Because let me tell you something, Jesus is not coming for a week 
emaciated, dried up, anemic church. He said, I'm coming for a church without spot, wrinkle, or a blemish, a glorious church. So you listen to this little bald-headed preacher today. I know the church is in a mess right now, but Jesus is not coming for a church at its worst. He's coming for a church at its best, which means before Jesus comes in glory for his church, he's got a first coming glory in his church. What I've come to tell you is the greatest outpouring revival that we have ever known is upon us right now and the church is about to be invaded by the glorious power of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that, somebody say amen in this room. So after the catching away of the church, the man of sin is going to come. There'll be the negotiation of building of a third temple. Three years into, three and a half years into the tribulation period, there will be the dedication day of the temple. At that point, at the dedication day of the temple, the Antichrist, according to the book of Daniel, will come in and he will commit the abomination of desolation. He will declare himself God in that temple that has been built for the God. At that point, the Jews will begin to scatter and run. 144,000 will run for their life into an area called Petra where they will be held up running from the Antichrist. Is everybody with me thus far? The reason I'm teaching you this is because in Revelation chapter 12 is dead in the middle of the tribulation period. So it is a time that is to come. It has not happened yet. It is a time that is to come. It has not happened yet. It is a time in the future that is to come. Now with that in mind, I want you to notice that while something is going on in the earth realm with the Antichrist and the third temple, Miss Sue, something is going on in the realm of the spirit or in what the Bible calls heavenly places. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. There are many dimensions. That, uh, right now physicists tell us that there's at least ten dimensions, four of which you and I operate in and connect with six of which we are connected to and operate in, but we don't realize that we're connected to them. What I'm trying to tell you is that there's multiple dimensions that are happening all around you right now. That's the reason the Bible could say things like this, let your kingdom come. Jesus would say, pray that, then turn around and say the kingdom is here. Well, is it coming or is it here? It's both. Right? And so heaven, heaven, there's a place called heaven, and it's not on the other side of the universe, folks. How do I know that? Because the universe is expanding at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. It's expanding. There's 100 billion galaxies with at least 100 billion stars traveling at the speed of light, expanding at the speed of light. If you were to die right now and you traveled in your spirit body in the speed of light, it would take you hundreds of trillions of years just to get across the known universe, and by the time you got there, the known universe would have expanded another hundreds of trillions of years and you could never make it to heaven. But Paul said to be absent from the body, come on somebody, is to be present with the Lord. So whenever I leave this body spiritually, I don't go to the other side of the universe. Heaven is as close as my breath. I step out of this body into a parallel dimension that's already here. So this is the reason the Bible says in Hebrews we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We have all 
all of those saints that are very close to us, closer than you and I could ever even imagine, as close as your breath. So as a believer, we have this unusual ability that we can operate in this dimension because of our flesh, but because we pray, because we're spiritual beings, because of prayer and worship and Bible reading and giving, we can spiritually step over into these other dimensions. We can do this in church. This is called the manifestations of the Spirit. This is where that dimension that's right here breaks on this dimension here. This is what Jesus talked about when he said, pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I need what's going on right here in the realm of the Spirit to break in into this natural realm. Come on, somebody. And we in the body of Christ don't realize there's more. We don't really understand that there's these spiritual dimensions. We don't understand because we don't read our Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says when you come to church, you better be careful how you come to church. The attitude that you come to church. Because in 1 Corinthians 11 says when you come to church, there's angels that are here. See, we don't really believe the Bible. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am. Come on, somebody. Jesus is here this morning. You say, well, how can Jesus be here and be at the church down the road? Well, first of all, don't make an assumption that he's at the church down the road. No, didn't you read Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in and so He's talking to a church, Laodicea. He's not in every church. He's at the door knocking at some churches, but they haven't church without him. So don't make an assumption that Jesus is in every church. And number two, don't make an assumption that he's not God. Because he's God, which means he can be everywhere at the same time. So he can be down there and be here too. You need to understand that when we came together this morning, something happened dynamically in the spirit. When two or three of us came together and said, I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to throw down in the presence of God. Jesus said, I got to go down there and visit that church. So Jesus is in the room today. But then 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says that this atmosphere is also filled with angels. And it says you better be careful how you come to church because of the angels. That's right. That's right. So angels are here. You know what angels, the Bible says angels do. If they're here, they're ministering spirit to send forth on, to minister to those who are the heirs of righteousness. Do you know if angels are here, they came because they were dispatched from the throne of God with your breakthrough, with your miracle, with your warfare, with your victory in their hand. They're in this room today. Come on, somebody. You can't help but win. You got Jesus in the room, and you got the angels of heaven in the room. Somebody better give the Lord a praise in here. I feel something rolling in up on me. I'm not usually free to preach like this, but I feel like I can give revelation out. So there's this spiritual realm. There's these multiple dimensions. In these multiple dimensions, one of these dimensions are are these heavenly realms where there are these angelic forces. One of those, this is the reason the Bible says there was no place found for them in heaven any longer. That's in the future. According to Revelation chapter 12, Satan is in a place called heaven. Now I know you thought he was kicked out of there you got to understand that's an old English idiom. When he says, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning, that's an old English idiom which literally means he lost his position. He didn't lose his place. You can quit telling the devil to go to hell. He ain't there. 
No, the Bible says he and other spiritual beings are in heavenly places, spiritual dimensions. These are parallel dimensions that are running alongside of us in heavenly dimensions. So there is a place in that, that the Bible calls a heavenly dimension where there's Michael and his angels and there's Satan and his angels and there's God sitting on a throne and, and all of this stuff is taking place. And we as the church don't understand this because preachers don't preach about the spirit realm. Thank God you got a preacher who will talk about it and let you experience it. But, but most preachers never talk about it. And the Bible says that in this place called heaven, in the future there's going to be a war that's going to be, be bro- break out, and Michael and his angels are going to fight against Satan and his angels, and they're going to be cast out of heaven. But everybody say that's in the future. That hasn't happened yet. Revelation chapter 12 hasn't happened yet. So what that's telling us is in this heavenly place, wherever that's at, there's Satan and his angels, there's Michael and his angels, there's God sitting on his throne, and all of this is taking place in this spiritual dimension. But what we think is Satan's been kicked out of heaven, he's down in hell somewhere. All of his angels have been kicked out of heaven, he's down in hell somewhere. But I'm telling you, that's not the case. And I'm getting ready to show you in the Word of God and mess your theology up. Now the Bible says, watch now, that Satan is coming before God day and night accusing the brethren. Now, again, Revelation chapter 12 is in the future. Everybody say in the future. So it hasn't happened yet. That means Satan right now is standing before God, getting an audience with God. So when I read this, I read this, uh, I was walking around in the woods in the mountains, I started reading this, and I was like, okay, God, I don't understand why is Satan, why, how, how, why, how, come on. You know, I was in, I'm in Tennessee, I'm Cherokee, why, how, 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 come on. How does Satan have an audience with God? And he's up there accusing me before God day and night. Now that ticks me off. How can he accuse me before God day and night? And how can he get access to the throne of God to even bring an accusation? And then I got to thinking in the word of God of an example And there's no greater example of Satan accusing the brethren than Job. In Job chapter 1, there says Job was a righteous man. He shunned evil. Job was so righteous that he offered sacrifices for his children. His righteousness before God built a hedge around him so that the devil couldn't even get. And then you come down to Job chapter 1, verse 4, 5, and 6, and it says there was a day when the sons of God, sons of God, say that with me, sons of God, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan and Satan also was among them. In other words, Satan is one of the sons of God. Now the phrase sons of God is only used five times in the scripture. It is the Hebrew phrase bena Elohim. Bena Elohim. Are you with me? It's only used four or five times. Every time it is always used in reference to angels. So here we have this reference where Satan is called a sons, one of the sons of God. He's coming before God, and notice the conversation. God says to Satan, where have you been? Now, how many believe God knows everything? If God knows everything, everything, how many of you believe God already knew where he had been? So if God asked Satan, where have you been, it wasn't because he was needing to know where Satan had been. He was wanting Satan to know. That he knew. Where have you been? Well, I've been walking to and fro on the earth. You're a liar. 
You haven't been walking to and fro on the earth. Because the next phrase is, have you considered my servant Job? Now, when we read this in Scripture, we think that God threw Job under the bus. But that's not what happened. When he asked him the question, have you considered my servant Job, how many know God already knows? So God wasn't asking him, where have you been, and have you considered Job because he didn't know. He watched as Satan was walking around the hedge of Job's life. And he was looking for access to get into Job's life. So when he said, where have you been? And he said, I've been walking to and fro in the earth. He said, have you considered my servant Job? It was God's way of saying, I saw you walking around. And here's how I know that Satan had already considered him because the next thing that comes out of his mouth is, yes, I considered him, but I can't get to him because you got a wall of protection between him and me and I can't get to him. Right? So when I think about this, this idea that Satan can come before God, the Bible says there are times that Satan comes before God where the Bana Elohim, the angels, are brought into a divine council meeting before God. So I, I got to looking at the scripture. And I'm like, I, I gotta, is this, is this something that's common or is this just one or two instances in the word of God where Angels, these wicked angels, wicked angels and righteous angels gather in a divine council meeting in heaven with God. And I was shocked at what I found. In fact, let me go, uh, we're going to skip a couple, because just for time's sake, because I don't have time. Let's go to a couple passages of Scripture. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Everybody look at the, look at the uh, screen here. Then Micah said, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven was standing to his right hand and left. Stop right there. So look, just keep it on the screen, guys. Watch this now. So here's God who comes out. He sits on his throne. Now this is a spiritual dimension parallel running right along us that's taking place parallel to us in another dimension, another realm. Satan, or God comes out, sets on his throne, and all the host of heaven, these are angelic forces, come to this divine council meeting, and they're to God's right hand and to God's left hand. Do you all see that in the scripture? Let me go to verse number 19. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? God was mad at Ahab and wanted to judge him, but he needed him to get to Ramoth Gilead. Now, I don't know why God does this, but God likes to work in cooperation in the various realms or dimensions with the spiritual beings of those dimensions. God could have forced Ahab to go to Ramoth Gilead, but he wanted interaction of his created beings. Selah. Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and one spoke in that manner. It sounds like a Robert's Rules of Order meeting. So here comes an angel, watch now, that stands up on this side and said, this is how I think we ought to get him to Ramoth Gilead and this is how we ought to do it. Another one stands up over here and says, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. This is how we ought to get him to Ramoth Gilead. This is how we ought to do it. Now most of us didn't realize that this kind of stuff goes on in heaven. Right? Oh, it gets, oh, it's going to get far worse for you. Okay? Right here. Look at verse 20. 
Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. Everybody say, a spirit came forward. So this is one of those spiritual beings steps up and says, I'll go down there and I'll do the work. God says, how are you going to do it? Verse 21. He said, I'll go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of this prophet. Stop. I thought there was only good angels around the throne of God. Let me tell you something. God is a God of truth. There's neither variableness nor shadow of turning in God. So this is a wicked spirit that is amongst these heavenly hosts. So in heaven, these spiritual council meetings that are taking place, there's wicked spirits and there's righteous spirits. So we go back to Revelation 12. Just keep this on the screen, guys. Revelation 12, what did it say? It says Michael and his angels fought with Satan and his angels. So there's two dimensions of these angelic forces and they're gathering in the realm of the spirit and they're having a discussion with God on how they're going to get Ahab to go down to Ramoth Gilead and finally a spirit comes forward, a wicked spirit. The Bible calls him a lying spirit and says, I'll go down and be a lie in the mouth of his prophets. And sure enough, that's what happened. Ahab went down to Ramoth Gilead thinking he was going to win the battle and he followed that lying spirit and he was killed at Ramoth Gilead. The reason I'm showing you this passage is because I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that there's more going on in the realm of the spirit right now, even above our heads. We used to sing a song when I was a kid, up above my head, there's music in the air, up above my head. Come on, somebody, some of the old folks are like, yeah, I got that. I know what that is. Uh, the younger folks, I have no idea. That, I, don't, I never heard Hillsong sing that. <laughs> Come on, there's stuff going on in the realm of the Spirit. Now, just follow. I'm going somewhere good with this, I promise. So here's what I want you to see. There's these divine council meetings that take place. You say, well, okay, pastor, you grab one scripture. That's good. Really, let's grab another. Let's go to the book of Psalms. And guys, I think you got it as the next passage. Psalm 82, verse number 1, a psalm of Ahaz. God, Asaph, God has taken his place in the what? The divine council. This is talking about in the heavenly realms. In the midst of the what? God's, he holds judgment. Keep that phrase up there, right there, please. In the midst of the what? I can't hear you. In the midst of the what? In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. I hear everybody say all the time, well, there's only one God. No, there's not. There's many gods. There's only one Jehovah. Well, ain't, no, ain't no God but my God. No, there's many gods, but there's no God like your God. Come on. There's no God like Yahweh. There's no God like Jehovah. But there are many gods. Even over in the New Testament, Paul reaches and grabs this thought in 1 Corinthians 6 and talks about us worshiping demons unaware. There are many gods. The Bible says these gods come into a divine council meeting. Would you like to know what the, the word gods is there? It's the Hebrew word Elohim. You say, well, hold it. I thought God's name was Elohim. Well, you go to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. We understand that that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because Elohim, if you want to make a Hebrew word plural, you just put him or im on the end of it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth. But if you go through your Bible, folks, Elohim is not a word regulated to the God alone. 
It is a word that is descriptive of all spiritual beings in the realm of the spirit. And how I know this is because at least six other times beyond this passage, the word Elohim is used in reference to wicked spirits. So Elohim is talking about the spirit realm. Look at me, folks. There's things in the realm of the spirit you can't imagine. I know y'all got, you, you know, your little, you're, you like your angels. You know, you got them on a little puff cloud. Got their little pampers on, got wings, and they got a little harp, and they're floating around singing kumbaya, and that's what you think an angel is. No, my friend. Listen, there's angels with eyes on the inside, the outside. Angels with multiple faces. There's all kinds of things in the realm of the spirit we don't even understand. We ought to, but we don't want to study it. Like why, have you ever wondered this? Why is Eve and Adam and Eve talking to a serpent? Now, I know we're from Arkansas. Y'all don't get around talk to serpents. No, huh? No. Why is she talking to, and why is the Bible say he's standing up? Because a serpent's on his belly. Well, it's real simple if you understand. Seraph, seraphim is the multiple of seraph. Seraph comes from a Hebrew word, serf, which in Hebrew means serpent. So Satan was actually an angel. A seraph, an angel. And the reason he's standing up is he's an angel with serpentine-style features. So the reason the Bible says he's talking to a serpent is because it's an angel with serpentine-style features. How many of you ever heard that? Isn't it amazing? That's in the Bible. There's so much of this in the realm of the Spirit that we don't understand. And folks, I want to tell you that the word Elohim is literally a word for all of the spiritual creation, right? Let me give you an earthly example, and I'm going to move on. We, we know that there's all kinds of creatures in the planet. We, we've got dogs and cats and birds and fish and all of that, right? But what is the crowning apex of, man, of, of God's creation? Man, right? We're the crowning achievement of God's creation. We're the head of creation. Are you all with me? Unless you're an evolutionist, you've got to believe that. Come on, we're the crowning apex of God's creation. So watch, in the natural realm we have all kinds of creatures, but there's one creature that, that is above all other creatures, and that creature or that creative being is man. Well, in the spirit realm, Elohim is a blanket word for all spiritual beings. But then, Banah Elohim, sons of God, Banah Elohim are high-ranking spiritual beings. These are the ones who come into this divine council, and they are referred to in the Eastern culture as gods, Elohim. Him. So notice, here we have God taking his place amongst the divine council. He comes out, sets on his throne, and here comes all of the host of heaven to his right and his left, the Bana Elohim, and they're, they're around the throne of God. Y'all still with me? Okay, don't cut me off yet. You say, some good theologian will say, hold it, God, uh, Pastor, Psalm 82.1, God has taken his place amongst the divine council. That's the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So this is talking about the Godhead. Well, if you hold to that theological conclusion, you've got yourself in a quagmire. Because verses 2 and 3 in this passage, this God is rebuking these gods for handling the wick nations wickedly. And so if you believe God is talking to the Father, uh, the Father is talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit, and you hold to that, you go to verse 2 and 3, you've just accused Jesus the Son and the Holy Ghost of handling the nations wickedly and committing sin. 
He's not talking to them. These are other spiritual forces. These are the sons of God that we read about in Genesis or in Job chapter 1 who are coming. These are, are the host of heaven we read about in Chronicles 18 that are coming to his right hand and to his left. And they're bringing cases before God. Your case and my case, they're bringing cases before God and they're accusing us before God and God the Father is listening to the cases and he's judging amongst the gods. You say, well, I, I, I still don't believe it because I need more scripture. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89. Look at this, verse 5. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, to faithfulness in the assembly of the Holy One. So where is this taking place? In the heavens. Verse number 6. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the Elohim, the holy ones. Awesome above all who are around him. Again, we have this concept of a divine council. And I could develop this much deeper, but I'm not going to. In fact, the History Channel, has a, uh, we've done a show on the History Channel about this. It's called Ancient Aliens. No, I'm serious. Just, just be watching. About a month or so, you'll see my bald head on there. Verse number 8. Verse number 8. Oh, we don't have verse number 8? All right, well, forget it. That's good, right. All right, everybody sees that this is this divine council. Everybody say there's a divine council. So watch this. When the Bible says that Satan is coming before God, to accuse us day and night. How is Satan getting an access before God? I'll tell you how. In these divine council meetings, the sons of God are coming into the some area in heaven where God is sitting on his throne and they're putting their cases before the Lord. That's real important, especially when we get to these last three scriptures. Can I give you Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25? Because there's something else going on in the heavens. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Y'all got that, guys? Shaka Zulu. The book of Hebrews. Come on. Oh, maybe not. They might not have. Maybe it's stuck. I don't know. Hebrews chapter 7. Let me tell you what it says. It says, we have a great high priest who passed into the heavens. Come on. He's able to save to the uttermost who come to God through him since he, watch now, always lives to What? So watch this now. We've got the sons of God. Everybody say the sons of God. The Bana Elohim that are coming as a divine council and they're presenting a case before God against you and I. This is the reason we need to go back to living right. This is the reason we can't live in sloppy agape. We open up a doorway for these demonic spirits to develop a case and to bring against our life. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. So this, one of these sons of God steps up and says, I know how I can get shame. I know how I can have access. This is what he did. He starts making a case. Well, when he does, I have a great high priest who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not one of the sons of God. He's the only begotten son of God. There's a reason the Bible uses certain phrases. So here we have the son of God, not a son of God. He's the son of God. He's the great intercessor. He jumps up. Now, we do this in church. We think intercession means that he's praying for us because we've relegated intercession to a prayer meeting. But y'all don't want me to do this. 
I don't tip over that golden calf, right? So, but intercession actually means to get in between. That's what it means. So watch this. When one of these wicked spirits come before God to present a case, what's your name, young man? Seth, he's going to present a case before Seth. When he gets started, I have an intercessor in the heavens that jumps up off his seat, jumps in between the accusation and the judge. And what he does when he jumps up off his throne, he jumps in between the accuser and the judge. He throws up his hand to the devil and says, devil, I got to tell you something. You just got to put the shut to the up. We don't want to hear anything that you have to say who can bring a charge against God's elect. I said, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Come on, somebody tell the devil, shut up. So here's the intercessor who gets in between the accuser and the judge. Now, we got to take it a little step further. There's a scripture in 1 John. Guys, can you get it? 1 John, throw up this scripture. This, this right here is going to make you want to slap your neighbor and give another offering. Shaka Zulu, there it is. My dear children, I'm writing this to you that you do not sin. I'm not writing this so you go out and live like you won't live. See, there's a difference between people who miss the mark and who live in sin. The Bible says he who is born of God does not sin. The actual translation, who is born of God does not continually live in sin. It's one thing to miss the mark, to transgress. It's another thing to habitually live in sin. This scripture isn't for those who habitually live in sin. This scripture is for those who are trying to live right, who are trying to please God, who are trying to honor God with their life. They miss the mark. And watch this. Let me just clarify this. Sin doesn't mean you went out and slept with your neighbor's wife. Sin isn't necessarily going out and getting drunk. Sin isn't going out and bar hopping. That's not that is sin, but there's another side to sin. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's an evil side, but there's also a good side. The Bible says, he that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If the Holy Ghost is telling you to do something and you don't do it, you're just as guilty as the bar harper. We don't preach about that side of sin in church. Right? So I'm writing these things to you, little children, that you, that you do not sin. But aren't you glad God's got your butt? I'm glad God's got my butt. But <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. But if anyone does sin, we have an... I'm waiting on y'all to help me now. We have a who pleads our case before the Father. He's Jesus Christ, the only one who is truly righteous. So watch this. As soon as one of those lying spirits, one of those false spirits, one of those wicked spirits comes before God in this divine council meeting and says, hey, i got to tell you something about Seth, the intercessor jumps up. My intercessor jumps up, gets in between the accusation, and the judge throws his hand up and says, shut up. And then the Bible says he becomes my advocate. Now, my advocate is a defense attorney. So here I have a prosecuting attorney, the devil, and I have a defense attorney, the Savior, Jesus. 
And my defense attorney throws up his hands and says, Your Honor, if it please the court, I would like to speak to Seth's issue. He no longer begins to talk about Seth, but from that point he starts pleading his case. He's not pleading Seth's case because Seth doesn't have a case. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Seth's righteousness is filthy rags before God. On Seth's best day, it's nothing but a filthy rag before God. So the, the Son of God is not pleading Seth's case. He's getting ready to plead his case. And it goes something like this. Your Honor, you will well remember that before time ever existed, Time was in me and time was in you. I'm outside of time. I'm beyond time. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Walked down through time that yet did not exist. And I became the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Then after 4,000 years of man trying to fix his own issues, he could not fix it. It came unto the fullness of time when I went as the word and was placed in the tomb of a virgin girl by the name of Mary. She gave birth to me and then I walked upon this earth for 33 years. You will well remember, your honor, that I never transgressed you at any time. I never broke any law and I never missed the mark. I was the righteousness of God and though I lived right I had to die a sinner's death and I willingly even though I didn't want to do it I willingly submitted myself to the cross. I hung on that cross and you'll well remember your honor that it was at the ninth hour that I bowed my head and I gave up the ghost. They took my body off the tomb and I can see him putting flashcards like the O.J. Simpson trial. And you will remember, Your Honor, that uh, they put my body in a borrowed tomb and I descended into the lower parts of the earth where I conquered death, hell, and the grave and took back the keys which belonged to me all the time. And then I led, according to Ephesians chapter 4, captivity captive. I brought out all the Old Testament saints and, and on the third day I resurrected from the grave and I was testified being seen of 40 days by me witnesses and then I went to the Mount of Olives and I ascended to the right hand of the Father where I have now made all of my enemies my footstool. So your honor, my case today is that Seth is not guilty, not because of what Seth did. Seth is not guilty because of who I am and because of what I did. Oh, I Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, anybody in here glad that you're born again? Anybody glad that he took your sin as far as the east is from the west? He never remembers it against you anymore. Can I tell you something? Your advocate is in heaven right now. Woo. Telling the devil, shut up.
And what I come to tell somebody at Church Alive this morning is we need to get in agreement with our great high priest. We need to get in agreement, throw the devil up who's telling you you'll never be nothing. You'll never do nothing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You'll never be used by God that you're disqualified. You're not good enough to be used by God. You need to throw your hand up just like Jesus is in heaven. Tell the devil you got to shut up. Just put the shut to the up. You ain't got nothing to say over my life. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been born with a price and I am not my own. I wish everybody throw a right hand up in there and just say shut up devil. Oh it's 12 o'clock. No it's 11 o'clock. We still got time to get the chicken. Can I give you one more scripture and I'll be done? I done preached myself drunk. I done preached myself drunk now. Nothing got happy. This has started happening to me since I stopped pastoring. I don't know what it is. Uh, I got joy unspeakable and full. Can I give you one more scripture? Uh, I think I got a last one. Zechariah chapter 3. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you everything I've just taught you in one passage. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan was at his right hand to oppose him. Joshua, not the Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho. This is Joshua, the high priest. He's a high priest. He's a high priest. He's a... So do you know where Joshua's at? He's standing in the temple. He's in church. And he's got his hands lifted. And he's worshiping God. And he doesn't even know that there's a spiritual dimension that's happening all around him. And on one side, the angel of the Lord is standing there. See, y'all thought you came to church and it was just you this morning. Y'all were singing your song and you never even knew that the angel of the Lord was standing right beside you. I told you, folks, you thought I was pilfering around. I told you I was chasing a squirrel. I was lying. I was baiting you. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. So here's Joshua in church. Everybody say he's in church. He doesn't know it. He's worshiping, but here's the angel of the Lord on one side. Uh-oh. And here's Satan on the other side. And Satan has showed up to stop him. In God's house, he's going to stop him in God's house. Now, you know the devil got some kind of gumption to walk up in church alive. You say, well, the devil can't be here. Yeah, he's here. You know how I know he's here? Because y'all brought him with you. Somebody brought him with you. So here he is in church. And in a dimension 
as close as, close as his breath. The angel of the Lord standing on one side and Satan is standing on the other side to oppose him. It's happening in church. Now, I love this because look at what happens. And the Lord said to Satan, shut up. No, he said, King James, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> I'm going to give you the Shane Warren, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, Shelby Avenue, ghetto, crack house version, because that's where I grew up. Shut up. See, y'all think I'm white. I'm not. I'm white chocolate. That's the reason my daughter-in-law is African-American. And I got two grandbabies I'll show you tonight. Peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time. So that's dangerous for him to be on an organ right now because he don't know me. He thinks I'm a white dude. I grew up in the hood. I learned to preach in the hood like a black man. Yeah, you don't, want, don't get me down that road. Y'all think you're listening to G.E. Patterson up in here. He's in church. Satan on one side, Jesus on the other. Satan's there to oppose him. And I love what the angel of the Lord does. He jumps in between Satan and the high priest. Throws his hand up in the air. He said, put the shut to the up. Hmm. If y'all don't know what that is, that's the Medea version. <laughs> Did he really just play a circus theme behind me? <laughs> Woo, I felt like I was on a game show there for a second. All right, the church is losing this flavor now, so shut up. Shut up. Here's what I love what Jesus says to him. He said, I chose him. I chose him. I plucked this one from the fire myself. I'm just wondering, do I have any fire brands in here? Do I, have, do I have anybody in here that you should have been dead a long time ago? But Jesus reached down in the mess you were in and plucked you from the... Come on, I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood who's called forth to show the praises of his name. Devil, you don't have a right to mess with me. You don't know who you're picking on. I'm not just somebody. I'm a son of the living God. I'm a child of God. I got a call on my life. I got a destiny hanging over my life. I got a word over my life. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. I like what Jesus said. He said, I chose him. Let me free you. You didn't choose him. Wow. 
you weren't smart enough, holy enough, righteous enough to choose him. No man comes to the God except the Spirit of God draw him. He, you didn't choose him. Let me tell you what happened to you. The Holy Ghost. Read Ephesians chapter 1. You were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. Read Psalm 138. Before even a day had passed or even a moment had passed, God recorded all of your moments in, in a book. There's a library in heaven before you was ever born has your name on it with all of your days and everything that's going to happen in your life already in a book. Psalm 138 tells you that. And the Bible tells you Psalm 138, he gets your book out all the time and reads it. You need to go read Psalm 138. God's thinking about you this morning. I said, God's thinking about you this morning. You're not in the nasty now by yourself. I know you feel by yourself. I know you feel lonely. I know you feel rejected. I know you feel hurt. I know he walked out on you and he broke your heart. I know she left you for another man and you don't know what to do with that. I know you lost your job. You don't know how you're going to make enough money for the end of the month. I know that you're in a tight place right now and you're in church anyway, praising God anyway, loving God anyway. Sometimes you don't even feel it, but you got your hands in the air and you're praising him like you just don't care. Sometimes you don't even know why you're here, but you're here. And you got Jesus on one side, the devil on the other. This morning, here's how I want you to see it. Jesus jumps up in between you and him. He says, shut up. I chose it. Now, you can preach it like you want to preach it. But again, I grew up in the hood. And when you're a white boy in the hood, you learn how to fight. Can I be, can I be real? Yes, you learn how to fight. Yes, so I learned early on if I was going to survive, I, I got to know how to take care of myself. But here's the way I see Jesus. He jumps in between me and the devil. I said, devil, you better shut your mouth. And then the devil continues to try, and here's the way I see Jesus. You better shut up, devil. I dare you to say one more word. I dare you to say one more word. You don't know who you are. You better remember the last time we got in a fight. I kicked your tail and threw you out of heaven so fast you look like a bolt of lightning. You better not say one more word. You say one more word, I'm going to punch you right in your big old mouth. You better shut up. That's the way I see it. Y'all think Mike Tyson could hit. You ought to see my Jesus. He ain't never had an opponent that was able to beat him. He's an undefeated, undisputed champion of the universe. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. He ain't never even had a draw, baby. He is an undefeated champion. Say one more thing, Say one more thing. I dare you say one more thing. And then he turns to the angels. Look at it. He says, y'all go get him a brand new robe. Now what I want you to notice here is, look, Joshua's clothed with filthy garments. Do you know why the devil was there to even attack him? Because he had on dirty garments. 
Read Leviticus and Exodus. The high priest can't come into the holy holies unless he's got on a clean garment. So this is a preacher who has messed up somewhere in life. And the devil knows it. So he's there to get access to his life. He's there to present a case. But the judge gets between the accusation. Or the the intercessor gets between the accusation and the judge. And he tells him to shut up. And the devil's saying, behold, he's disqualified. Seth is disqualified. He's disqualified. Shut up. You ain't got nothing to say. You ain't got nothing to say. And then he turns to the angels that are around him. Look at verse 4. To those who stood around him. Oh, there's more angels here than just them. He said, I've removed his iniquity from him. I know y'all are perfect. You got your little halos and y'all are perfect in Arkansas. But us Tennessee boys, we got some junk in the trunk. I need Jesus to forgive me of some stuff. Y'all need Jesus to forgive you from some stuff? Y'all didn't even know it today. Before you even asked for it, here's what he was telling all the hosts of heaven. Y'all go back in my closet back there. I, I do remember that I just had my dry cleaning done. And I got the most beautiful robe of righteousness that's ever been seen back over there that was paid for with my blood. And go over there and get me that robe and bring it on him. Put that robe on Joshua. He's not qualified because of who he is. He's not qualified because of what he does. He's qualified because I said he's qualified. See, the problem is you're believing what the devil's saying about you. When you need to start listening to what heaven is saying about you. Heaven is saying you're qualified. Yeah, but yeah, but Lord, you don't know what I did. Yeah, I do know what you did. And I want you to know before you were ever even born, I decided who I was going to make you, not based on who you are, but based on who I am. You're qualified not because of you. You're qualified because of me. And then he says, go get a good turban and put on his head. Now, a turban was what gave the high priest access to the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could wear the turban. He said, go get a turban. I'm going to restore some authority. Here's what the Lord spoke to me this morning. The Lord spoke to me that there's people in this room that the spirit of accusation has brought such shame and condemnation to your life that you're in a trap. And you don't even know how you're going to get out. You've believed the lie of the enemy that God can't use you anymore. You've believed the words of darkness that have said you're disqualified that God's done with you. You might be saved. You might make it to heaven, but that's all you're going to get out of life. You've believed that. I've come to tell you today, here's what Jesus is saying. Go get him a nice robe. Go get me a nice robe. Go get me a new turban. God's going to restore some authority to some people in this room. The devil's stolen some things from you today. There's a restoration anointing that is in this house. I'm telling you, the cloud of shame and condemnation, the words of the accuser that have come against your life, Satan this morning is silencing the accuser of the brethren in this room. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I I know that I'm talking to some people in here that you feel disqualified like God has done with you. You feel like your season has come and gone. Your window has passed. Your moment 
has not been seized. You missed it, and it's over, and, and you might make it to heaven, but you're not going to have anything else. You, this is the way you feel. If I'm talking to you by the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to look around at a friend. I don't want you to pass go. I don't want you to collect $200. I want you to jump straight to your feet right now. If you say, Pastor, the devil's been telling me that, that I'm disqualified, I want you just to jump to your feet right now in the red shirt. Come right here. Lift your hands as you come. I was called to preach at the age of 12, and I don't know why, but for the last several weeks, when I go to ministering, God is doing this. Are you usher? Come in behind her, please. At the age of 12, a wound was caused, and it set your life on a course. God's going all the way back, and God's going to heal some things that were done to you at a very early age that set your life in a trajectory that you were not created for. I see the Spirit of the Lord going all the way back. Like waters backing up into a slough. I see the Spirit of the Lord going all the way back. I see the Spirit of the Lord going all the way back. To this moment of wounding. And I hear the Lord saying, tell her, I don't throw broken vessels away. I make them again into another vessel. God said, I'm about to take the broken, shattered pieces of your life and I'm going to restore In 12 months from now, people are going to look at you and not even recognize you. Your whole physical appearance is going to change. Everything about you is going to change. And God is burning out every impurity right now in Jesus' name. I need everybody in this room, if you just stood up because you know the Lord's talking to you, come to the altar right now fast. 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 I am not disqualified. Come on, just make a straight line across here. Come on, make a straight line. Spread out, spread out, spread out, spread out, spread out. I need everybody who didn't come up here, stand to your feet right now. And I need you to begin to pray in the Spirit of God. Those of you who are filled with the Spirit of God, begin to pray in the Spirit of God. Now, I need one woman behind every woman right now. One woman filled with the Holy Ghost. One woman full of the Holy Ghost in behind every woman. I need one man in behind every man. A man filled with the Holy Ghost in behind every man. Why is this? Because one puts 1,000 to flight. Two puts 10,000 to flight. Now, I'm telling every one of you that just walked up here, not only are you qualified... Because Jesus says you're qualified. Let whatever it is that you felt like disqualified, you let it go. I want every one of you here, if you have the ability, close your eyes. Lift those hands high toward the heavens. I want you to see yourself like Joshua the high priest. And yeah, you've got some stained garments on. I'm giving you permission right now to think about that failure that you, the enemy is using in your life.
But what I want you to notice is the devil's there to oppose you on one side. But I want you to see with your spiritual eye right now the Son of the living God on the other side. I want you to see Jesus now coming around you, getting in between you and the devil who's come to accuse you. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is, I forgive you. Come on, you got to receive that. I forgive you. Though your sins were like scarlet, today you shall be white as snow because I forgive you. I forgive you not because you deserve it. I forgive you because I love you. I forgive you because I created you. I forgive you. And right there where you're at, I want you just to sense that cleansing touch of God starting at the top of your head, running all the way down into your fingertips, down into your feet even. The cleansing touch of God. Let that cleansing flow begin to wash your spirit man. Here's what God's doing. God's putting a new garment on you today. I said God is putting a new garment on you today. God's taken off the old dirty garment and God's putting a clean robe back on you again today. So I want you to see yourself in a clean robe now. I want you to see yourself white as snow. Come on, can you see that robe? It's glistening with the glory of God. I see some of you smiling so I know that God just turned your shame into joy. Can you see that beautiful robe? Can you see that crown that he's put on your head? Because you're the head and not the tail. You're above only. You're not beneath. Come on, greater is he that is in you now than he that is in this world. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I need every prayer partner who's standing behind you right now. Put your hands on them and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost that God give a restoring touch. Yeah, devil, you can't lie anymore. Yeah, devil, we're not listening anymore. You can't lie to us anymore, devil. You're a liar. We're not listening anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am qualified because Jesus has done a work in me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a new thing happening on me. There's a new thing happening on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Greater. Greater now. Greater. Greater is he that is in me and he that is in this world. Now, for those of you who come down, lift those hands up high. Everybody in this church, lift your hands up high. And I want us to go ahead and go to praising God because he has just told your adversary to shut up. Come, Pastor. Come on, praise him. He's just told your adversary to shut up. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah.
soul. Sing that with you. Come on, let's lift our hands through the entire building. Come on, sing it out. Come on, declare it. Come on, this is our transformation moment. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Come on now, just use your own voices. Come on, let's give him big hallelujahs over this room. Come on, lift up both your hands. Give up big hallelujahs. Come on, big hallelujahs. Can you move to that? I'm no longer a child. Say, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, you heard the word of God. You heard you've got Jesus standing there. Come on, give hallelujahs like you've got victory now. Come on, give hallelujah like you've got victory. Hallelujah, it's done, it's finished. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, take a moment. Let it settle on you. Don't be in a hurry. Come on, the devil's pushed you around long enough. Come on, you heard it. You're standing on victory. You're standing on the word of God. Hallelujah. Come on, one more time. Let her shout and a roar of hallelujah in the, come on, in this dimension. Come on, in this realm. Give it out. Come on, as he began to pray for people, I could just hear a prophetic declaration coming out of your spirit. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Are you ready? Come on, let's take a moment. Let's give a prophetic declaration with your healed hands. Lift them up. I mean, come on, with your body that's been set free, with your mind that's been set free. Come on, come on. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Come on, victory, come on, victory, victory. I am a child Come on, say it. Declare it prophetically right now. I'm no longer a slave to me. Come on, you heard him. <laughs> For I, I want you to say those words again. I was hurt, but now I'm healed. Come on, do it. I'm no longer a slave to me. That's it. That's it. For I am a child of God. Come on, yes. Come on, aggressively say it. Come on. Oh, yes. Receive that, girl. Receive that. You receive it. Come on, somebody praise him like I receive it. You do it. Here's what he did today. He split those seeds right in two. Come on, he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Here's what he did. Come on. You split the sea so I could walk right My fears were drowning in love. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You rescued me so I could dance and sing. Come on, do that again. Do that again. Come on, declare it. Come on. Yes, you split the sea so I could walk right through. Say that again. You split the sea so I could walk right through. One more time. 
Come on. Let me hear somebody just shout now spontaneously, I'm a child of God. Come on, somebody shout, I'm a free child of God. I'm a healed child of God. I'm a delivered child of God. Come on, let the redeemed say so. Come on, say so. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, you've been waiting all day to shout. You've been waiting all day to testify. Come on, let it loose. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many know he whom the Son sets free is free indeed? Wave your hand at me. How many believe you've heard the Word of God today? Come on, how many believe you didn't hear a message out of the Reader's Digest? Come on, how many believe you heard heaven downloaded today? How many felt the anointed presence of God in this room today? Come on, wave your hand if you felt the anointed presence of God. How many received the word? Come on, wave your hand if you receive it. How, how many understood it? Come on, wave your hand. How many got it? Ooh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want the hundredfold dimension. Come on, anybody else out there with me? And my spirit stirred today. Last night as Shane and I were together, Pastor Shane and I were together, I mean, we just started talking stories of healings and miracles. I was stirred all night long. I was already stirred. He just put me over the edge. And I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of things that maybe have caught my eye here and there. But all I want is the presence of God but the fire of the Holy Ghost like Jesus said we were to have. And I believe I'm around two or three that want it. Do I have two or three? Come on, can I see your hand? Do I have two or three? We're not looking through anything by organized church eyes. They sang it today. I want the vision to see things the way you see it. One more time, just lift your hands. Come on, just lift them up. Say, thank you, Lord. I needed you to touch me like this today. I needed to hear your voice like that today. I needed to feel your wraparound presence. I needed that restoration. I needed it. I want to live in it. Come on, somebody tell him. So I want to live in it. Come on, say, I'm coming for it. Hallelujah. I want to be the one in him in that holy place. I don't want to get hung up on this or that. I want to be fully enveloped in you. I just kept saying, what do I have to do, Lord? Lead me, Holy Spirit. What do I have to do? This is all I want. As I was praying late last night, just been saying for years and years and years that the Lord wants to get us into something we can't get out of. And I said, Lord, it's tomorrow the day. Is this the day we get into something we can't get out of? Lord, I want you more than I want anything else. Do I have anybody with me? I know you've raised and you've lost 50 pounds a day. That's great. Lift your hands with me and say, that's all I want. Come on, somebody with me. Come on, just call it out. That's all I want. The deal is, I don't know what it's going to look like, and I don't care what it looks like. I've never seen it. Just know it's going to look like you. 
That's all I want. Thank you, Lord. You've received. I heard one time about a kid that it's not going to sound real spiritual. It said that day that peanuts were all you could eat for a dollar. All you could eat for a dollar. And the kid said, I'll take two dollars worth. You'll get it later. I feel like today you got ten buffets for the price of one. How many heard what I just said? I'm going to tell you what. You, you got about a six-month class today in a span of 45 minutes. But you didn't just get knowledge. You got the, you got the anointing that come hot off the altar. I want to thank God today, Shane, Pastor Shane, that you're a free man. Come on, I want you to give God thanks for Pastor Shane. Come on, come on, tell him thank you. On behalf of Church Alive, I need somebody with me who agree with me right now. The Church Alive, we receive this word today. We believe that we're moving in another dimension. We're not looking to do a, we, we don't need a new sign. We don't need a new light. We need another dimension. We're going up higher. Hallelujah. We're going from glory to glory. We'll do whatever it takes. Church Alive will do whatever it takes. Now, I need to warn you. You won't be the same all afternoon. When, when this is, gets going in me, I like buzz all day long. I just like, wow. You won't be the same. You won't be the same. Now, when we come back at 530, I, I mean, it's a, don't come in here like you've got to get warmed up. Come on, I have a witness here, somebody. You're already overflowing. I mean, your radiator can't take anything else. You need to get your family. You need to text. You need to say, look, he's only going to be here tonight. You need to get here. Something is happening at the church alive. You need to be back here at 530. No telling. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what's going to happen. We're just going to get in here together and see what the Spirit of God will do. How many agree with me on that? All right, there's nothing better to do. There's not a Super Bowl, not anything to happen. It's just, we're just going to lift up Jesus. All we're going to do tonight is we're going to worship and he can just start whenever he wants, whatever he want to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I believe there's going to be miracles here tonight. I believe you're going to just, your life's going to never be the same. I need to take a good look at you now because he told me a year from now I won't recognize you the way you are. But I will recognize you because I know the anointing, amen. And I'll know you by the anointing. Praise God. Yes, you're receiving it too. You're going to take her word for you. Praise God. That's great. And here's what we're going to do. I want to give. I'm a giver. I like to. Now, everybody just stay right where you are. I, I like a seed to put on something. I understand what growth is. And I understand that things have to move. And I have to move them by faith. And here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask everybody today to plant a seed on this. Plant a seed. Some of you, it's going to be a few dollars. Some of you, it's going to be several hundred. Some of you, maybe several thousands. Some of you, maybe hundreds. Maybe somebody wants to buy in that car. I don't know. The Spirit of God tells you that. You better do it. 
I believe his house is taken care of. So we need to put a seed on this dimension. Come on, how many heard me? You're going to catch it right there. Put a seed on this dimension. Now, here's how you're going to do that today. We're going to do this a little bit different. Now, you got, everybody can go online to our website. Everybody go there today and give. As you go out, Gail's going to be back there. There's a little table back there. And, and don't pass it up. That's the debit card, the credit card that's d- done manually. There's a kiosk out front. By that door over there, there's a bucket by the door. And over here on this door, you, that's a good door. But you really want to go out this door. That door over there is what I call the Ark of Abundance. Man made that for us years ago, Gary Clark. And it's been great anointing on that. And I've called it when we open up, we lift up the, the lid of abundance. I mean, there's been all kinds of things. And when he said that about his house, and I thought about the abundance box, I've seen many homes taken care of through that box. And so today, let's give a seed in that abundance. I mean, if I, if I were you, I could do it online too. But if I could put something in that box, I mean, that's what I would do. There's not anointing on the box. It's by faith that you're doing that. But however you do that, you you got to move something tomorrow, do it online, well, whatever you've got to do. But I encourage everybody to do this. Everybody do so. So two things. Number one, I'm going to come back tonight. I'm going to stay in the anointing today. Can I, come, how many going to stay in the anointing today? You're going to stay in the anointing today. Great. That was everybody. Number two, give something. Do something. I say, well, I've never done that. Well, do it. Well, do it. And you'll see what happens. Things shift in the heavenlies. He talked about the heavenlies. That's where they shift. When you do that, amen? All right, let's, so let's pray for that spirit of multiplication right now. Father, I believe that spirit of multiplication is on this. I thank you for visiting us in this supernatural way. There's something happening here. There's something happening here. So we receive it. And here's what's going to happen. Lights are going to come down a little bit. I mean, I, I know that you're all about fellowship. We've got plenty of areas out there to do that. They're going to keep on ministering for a few moments. If you want to stay up here at this altar and pray, you stay. If you want to go get your kids and you want to come back in here, then you do. If you got kids, go get your own. Get your kids, bring them back in here and pray. The building can be open all day long. So if you want to stay in here and pray, you want to come early and you want to pray. This is a house of prayer. You do that, amen? So And be aware, people are going to be up here praying. You don't feel like you've got to rush off. If that anointing's on, you stay right there. Don't, don't you leave it. You stay right there. You'll get food later. You'll live. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. You, as you're exiting, you give. Be aware that people are up here praying. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Shane. See you at 530. I want to be dry.